In today's lesson, our teacher, Dr. Ruth, explains how we serve only one God in three distinct persons. And how do we serve this God? Here is Dr. Ruth with more. Hallelujah! Praise the Lord! Welcome to today's session. I greet you today in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is Dr. Ruth. Today we continue our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Let us begin here in Deuteronomy chapter 6. So what is the gist of this chapter? In this chapter, we will learn about the emphasis that Moses would place on the Israelites loving God. And we will learn that as children of God, one way or the primary way we can show the world that we love God or the primary way we can express our love for God is when we obey Him. So that is what we will learn in this chapter, loving God. So let's take a closer look at some verses here, beginning with verse 1, Deuteronomy chapter 6. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. Verse 2 so that your children and your children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you and so that you may enjoy long life. Already we see Moses teaching or explaining to the second generation Israelites the relationship between obeying God and living in success or enjoying the blessings of God. Like I have often said, that when we obey God, his blessings will chase us. So we see Moses pre-warning these Israelites that if you obey God, then you will have no problem enjoying his blessings. Okay, verse uh, Three, hear Israel and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey. Again, Moses tying their obedience to the fact that they would enjoy the blessings of God to the extent that they obey the Lord. Okay, so um, the rest of verse Three just went on to say that the promise that the Lord made to their ancestors, referring to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, is dependent on them, meaning the Israelites, obeying the Lord. Again, I hope you are picking up something here right away. These promises that the Lord made to them is really conditional on them, i.e. the Israelites, doing their part, obedience. And that is still the same today for all of us. God has blessed us abundantly as written all over the scriptures. But we have to do our part, obedience and walking by faith. Verse 4, um, I want to bring to your attention here, verses 4 through 9 are considered by many Bible scholars that these verses really are central to the main teaching in the book of Deuteronomy. And these verses represent the creed of the Jewish faith, okay? The creed meaning that it is the um, foundation or, or their main beliefs about what they believe. And in the um, Hebrew Bible, 
It is called the Shema. The Shema uh, is a word from Hebrew, which is translated into the English language to mean to hear. So let us read these verses out loud. Beginning with verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Right away, this uh, is highlighting monotheism. And like I have said throughout this uh, teaching, that the Christian faith or true Christianity is a monotheistic faith, meaning that we worship one God. Although our God, the one God of the Bible, has revealed himself to us in three unique distinct persons, which we call the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And in the book of Genesis, I uh, thought about the principle. So go back and re-listen. But the word Trinity is not found in the Bible, but the teaching or doctrine is taught across the scriptures from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation. And the Jews also uh, believe in one God. They do practice uh, or they are a monotheistic faith. Okay, let's pick it up here in verse 5. Well, before I even go to verse 5, let me say, though, that this verse here, verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, is one of the uh, reasons or one of the verses that the Jews today and in the past use to come against us Christians because they do not believe in the doctrine of the Trinity. And that is one of uh, the reasons why some of them reject Jesus Christ. But thank God that today we have a lot of the Jews converting to Christianity. And once a Jew gets the revelation of Jesus Christ as the Messiah and as God who came in the flesh, they become Messianic Jews. So I wanted to bring that to your attention. But as we know, we worship one God in three distinct persons, like I had explained. Okay, verse 5. Moses continues now. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. This is a popular verse, and Jesus Christ himself quoted this in the New Testament out of Matthew 22, verses 37 to 39. Verse 6, These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Verse 7, Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Verse 8, Tie them on symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Verse 9, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Significant. And so many Jews today still carry out this practice and even so many Christians. But of course, back then, they didn't have a physical book called the Bible. So they had to uh, essentially write scriptures all over uh, the place so that they can have direct access to them. This practice is still significant today, uh, except today we have the scriptures in the Bible, and of course we can still write our scriptures on a 4x4 card, we can paste them on our mirrors, we can paste them on our walls so that they are in the forefront of our minds at all times. But the principle here is that the Lord is uh, speaking to uh, these second generation Israelites through Moses about the significance of always, always remembering his teachings, his commandments, because his teachings are the only source of life. And Jesus later came in the New Testament and taught uh, us out of John 6, 63, that the word of God gives life. Okay, life is in the word of God, which is our daily bread as we spend time in the presence of God. So this 
significant verses here, verses 4 through 9, really highlights the significance of having the Word of God at the tips of your finger, memorizing the Word of God, carrying the Word of God with you. That way, the Word of God can penetrate deep into your souls so that you can actually, actually allow the Word of God which is the best direction there is to guide and direct every aspect of your lives. This principle is still applicable today, which is why I am glad you are subscribing to this podcast so you can have a better understanding of the Word of God and then you can carry it with you wherever you go. Okay, moving on to verse 10 here. Uh, Moses continues, when the Lord your God brings you into the land he swore to your forefathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large flourishing cities. Essentially, Moses went on to say that when they get into the promised land, that is a blessed land, they have to be careful to not forget Okay, that it is God who brought them into that land. And it is God who delivered them from slavery when they were in Egypt. That is uh, right there in verse 12. And this is significant because, you see, human beings, (laughs) when people are struggling financially, physically with uh, diseases in their bodies or issues with uh, wayward children or failing relationships or when people are struggling in any area in their lives, most people would seek God, right? Most people who are humble would, would seek God for deliverance. However, prosperity, when people have physical health, physically they are healthy, financially they are stable, they have healthy relationships, and when they perceive that they have all these outwardly uh, physical things, if you will, a lot of people do not seek God with all of their heart, with all of their soul, and with all of their strength because they get comfortable. Okay? So this is a, is a strict warning to us, just like Moses was pre-warning the Israelites that when you get into the promised land and you're prosperous, Remember how you got there. Remember who took you there. Just like God is telling us today. When we get that husband or that wife that we've been believing for. When we pay off that home that we've been believing God for. When that opportunity opens and we walk into that opportunity. We should not forget how we got there. We should not forget all those days and nights that we went crying and pleading with the Lord and he answered that prayer. We should never, never allow physical prosperity to drift us or to cause us not to spend as much time with God. In fact, the more prosperous you are, the more you should spend more time with the Lord that way you don't get into the temptation of delving and focusing more on your physical success. All right? Okay. So we come to verse 13 now. Moses is telling them to fear the Lord. This is a uh, reverential fear now. Fear the Lord your God. Serve him only and take your oaths in his name. He is pre-warning these people because... When they get to the promised land, those inhabitants there practiced polytheism, meaning they have multiple gods. So Moses is pre-warning them, when you get there, only focus and pray and only worship the one true God of the heavens and the earth. Okay? The God of the Bible. Or back then, you would say the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Verse 14, do not follow other gods. 
the gods of the peoples around you. I've talked about that already. Verse 15, for the Lord your God who is among you is a jealous God and his anger will burn against you. I talked about this already, that this is a godly jealousy. Because God loves us too much, he does not want us to delve into idolatry. He does not uh, want us to be deceived. So he, in his love for us, he is jealous towards us. Just like if you were married today, you would not want your husband to have an extramarital affair with another woman because you want your husband to have a monogamous relationship with you. So you would have a healthy jealousy towards your husband. Likewise, God has a healthy jealousy towards us because he knows how we are wired. He created us. He knows that if we go astray, we would bring a lot of pain and suffering in our own lives. And in his love for us, he is jealous so that we can stay straight. Okay, follow him. That way we can enjoy his blessings. Verse 16, do not put the Lord your God to the test as you did at Massa. This uh, scripture was also one of the verses that the Lord Jesus uh, quoted when he was tempted uh, by the devil. And we as uh, God's creation, it would be a sin for us to put God to the test. We should not do that. So that is uh, an ungodly thing. Okay, uh, verses 17 through 19 there, Moses just went on to reiterate that they have to uh, be careful to uh, follow his commandments. That is out of verse 17. In verse 18, he went on to say, they should do what is right in the sight of the Lord. In verse 19, that if they uh, do what is right in the sight of the Lord, the Lord would deliver their enemies into their hands. And that uh, is still applicable to, applicable to us today. We come to verse 20. Uh, Moses is going to give them an explanation that they would give to their children. When uh, their children ask them the meaning for all the commandments. So verse 20 reads, in the future, when your son asks you, this is not just a son, meaning male, this could be a male or a female, what is the meaning of the stipulations, decrees, and laws the Lord our God has commanded you? And Moses went on to explain the reason in verse 21, uh, tell him, and I'm going to add, tell him or her, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Again, a mighty hand there. Moses is using this descriptor to emphasize God's omnipotence. God is all powerful. And the rest of those verses, he just went on to explain to them that they should tell their true children how the Lord delivered them from bondage in Egypt and how uh, the Lord is bringing them or the Lord brought them into uh, the promised land that he had promised to uh, their ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That is why they have to keep the commandments and in verse 24, he highlighted that the Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God so that we might always prosper and be kept alive as in the case today. Again, Moses highlighting the significance of obeying God with them staying alive and prospering in the land of Canaan and forevermore. Verse 25, And if we are careful to obey all this law before the Lord our God, as he has commanded us, that will be our righteousness. Isn't this awesome? Righteousness here is by faith. So if the Israelites, by faith, obeyed all these instructions or all these commandments, the Lord would look upon them as righteous. So this is what Moses is telling them that they should tell their children and great-great-grandchildren 
who would ask them in the future, why are we keeping all these laws? Essentially, they are supposed to teach their children the significance of uh, God's decrees and why they have to keep them again by faith so that God can look at them as righteous. Righteousness here means God would see them as morally and spiritually in good standing because of their faith and obedience towards him. That brings us to the end of chapter 6. And we go right, uh, right away into uh, chapter 7. So what is the gist of chapter 7? In chapter 7, we will learn how Moses will give them further instructions how they have to demolish the other nations when they get into the promised land and how they should not tolerate their sinful practices and they should not um, live alongside with them. They should essentially demolish their idol worship altars, essentially strengthening them to have an indifferent attitude towards sin. So let us get into some verses here. We begin with the first verse. Verse 1 out of Deuteronomy chapter 7. When the Lord your God brings you into the land you are entering to possess and drives out before you many nations, the Hittites, the Gashites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, seven nations larger and stronger than you, Again, Moses is highlighting that these nations are powerful nations, but the Lord would fight this battle for you. It is the Lord who would overcome them for you. He is reminding them of that. Verse 2, And when the Lord your God has delivered them over to you, and you have defeated them, then you must destroy them totally. Totally. God is going to use the nation of Israel here as the instrument of judgment against these other nations. And as we get further into this study, we will find out why. But let me just give you a heads up. Because these other nations were essentially demon-possessed. They practice all sorts of sins, child sacrifice, idolatry, so the Lord was going to use the nation of Israel as an instrument to bring a judgment against these other nations because God in his foreknowledge and omniscience knew that the inhabitants of these other nations were not going to change. They were not going to repent. So God had to bring a final judgment upon them and remember the wages of sin is death. So God would use the nation of Israel to destroy these uh, other nations that were essentially demon-possessed and they weren't going to change. And had God not destroyed these other nations, their wicked, sinful practice would have spread across the land and it essentially would have contaminated other nations even the Israelites, it would have contaminated them. So God really displayed through Moses a strong, a strong commandment for the Israelites to get into the promised land and totally destroy all these other nations, have no pity on them, don't look to the left or to the right, just demolish them. So we, we pick it up here now, continuing here with uh, this. Two, make no treaty with them and show them no mercy. Again, I had just explained that. An attitude of intolerance to sin. Verse three, do not intermarry with them. Again, powerful because the Lord was warning them not to intermarry with them because once they make that mistake and intermarried with them, they would be polluted. 
Do not give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons, for they will turn your children away from following me to serve other gods, and the Lord's anger will burn against you and will quickly destroy you, just like what I had explained. Just like I have said throughout, it's a biblical principle. As Christians, children of light, we have no business marrying an unbeliever. What has light got to do with darkness? Just like the Apostle Paul told the Christians in the church in Corinth, we have no business marrying an unbeliever because their ungodliness may affect us. In fact, will affect most Christians. All right, so that is a biblical principle right there, and this has not changed. Verse 5, this is what you are to do to them. Break down their altars, smash their sacred stones, cut down their Asherah poles, and burn their idols in the fire. These are all active, active verbs. Okay, and uh, going back here to uh, verse 5, the Asherah poles, the god of uh, one of the gods of the Canaanites, was called uh, Asherah, and in their altars they have poles which they use as part of their worship. So that is what the Lord is referring here to, so that the Israelites can go there and destroy their, their demonic uh, temple, burn it in fire. Verse 6, for you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. So this uh, verse is just highlighting how the Israelites are a group of holy people. We talked about that already. So God is giving them this commandment to get into the promised land and demolish the enemy. Just like he has given us authority today as New Testament believers. We have delegated authority given to us by God in the name of Jesus and to use the power and the authority in the name of Jesus Christ to overcome the lies and deception of the enemy. We have power in the name of Jesus. So we do not have to tolerate sin. We do not have to tolerate attacks from the enemy. We have to stand up in the name of Jesus and demolish his lies, expose him because he is already defeated, but we can stand up and Curse the enemy. Okay? Verse 7. The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other people. But you were the fewest of all people. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your ascensors that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery. From the power of Pharaoh. So Moses just went on to say that God really only chose you, the nation of Israel, because of his uh, promise to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God is faithful and he will keep to his word. He will keep to his, his um, covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you Israelites were the smallest group of people, but the Lord has blessed you. You are now numerous because that was a promise he gave to Abraham. So now you are a holy group of people. So you have you better obey the Lord because he is referring to the Lord now. He is keeping his end of the bargain, his faithfulness. He has multiplied you. You are now a, a, a nation, numerous. So that is what those uh, verses are saying. Uh, that brings us to verse 10. But those who hate him, he will repay to their face by destruction. He will not be slow to repay to their face those who hate him. Again, uh, furthering the 
concept here that the Lord is using the nation of Israel as an instrument to bring judgment onto these uh, demon-possessed nations. Okay, we come down to verse 11. Therefore, take care to follow the commands, decrees, and laws I give you today. Now, verse 12, all the way to, I believe, the um, verse 20, actually, Moses will really explain to this second generation Israelites how if they obey the commandments from the Lord, God would bless them. But if they disobey, they would bring a curse upon themselves. So let us highlight some of these verses here. I will go back and reread verse 7. Therefore, take care to follow the commands, decrees, and laws I give you today. Verse 12. If you pay attention to these laws and are careful to follow them, then the Lord your God will keep his covenant of love with you as he swore to your ancestors. Verse 13, he will love you and bless you. Those are the blessings that the Israelites would enjoy if they keep their end of the covenant to obey the Lord. The Lord is not even asking for much. The Lord is just asking them to follow his instructions because he loves them and he wants them to, to be prosperous. So Moses kept emphasizing, love the Lord, obey the, the, the Lord. That is all God is asking from them. That is not much, really. Uh, he, uh, going back to verse 13, he will love you. He will bless you. He will increase your numbers. Okay. He will bless the fruit of your womb, the crops of your land, your grain. Essentially, he will bless your harvest. You come to verse 14, you will be blessed more than any other people. Wow. You come to verse 15, the Lord will keep you free from every disease. Essentially, the Lord will be their physician. Wow. He will not inflict on you the horrible diseases you knew in Egypt. God is even telling them, if you obey me, I will keep you healthy. Verse 16, You must destroy all the peoples the Lord your God gives over to you. Moses again emphasizing that they have to go there and obey the Lord and destroy the pagan nations and their demonic practices. Do not look on them with pity and do not serve their gods for that will be a snare to you. This is so powerful. We should really have no pity for the enemy. <laughs> Oh boy. And what does pity for the enemy looks like? Sometimes a Christian would be really struggling with sin in their life. They would be struggling with things such as emotional bondages, such as um, unforgiveness, anger. And they would say, well, I'm not going to go to the person and tell them I'm sorry. I'm not going to go to the person and make peace with them. Uh, because in my heart, God knows my heart. I am right with the Lord. You know, I just don't want to, to do that because I just feel so sorry for them. That is a lie. You have to go to somebody that you carry unforgiveness in your heart and have a talk with them. Okay? Don't tolerate the enemy. Don't have pity for people. You just go deal with your emotion of uh, unforgiveness, anger, bitter, right away. So in a similar way, we see the Lord telling Moses that the Israelites should have no pity for those uh, inhabitants who are, are living in the promised land because guess what? They actually practice idolatry and they practice demon worship have no pity on them have no pity on them have no pity for the enemy people satan has no pity okay today god is not gonna ask us to go physically attack people that is not necessary jesus has already done that on the cross today we just have to use the weapon that the lord has given us 
his word. And we have to stand up in the name of Jesus and, and go against the enemy with faith-filled words. We can use our words, our mouth as a weapon to speak the truths of God over the lives of the enemy and we will overcome. We should not have pity for the enemy. I know that some people get really confused. Uh, you, you have to learn how to discern when Satan is walking through people in your life or people in your lives. Satan will walk through people to get to you. Remember, the New Testament, Jesus had to rebuke Peter. Jesus said, get behind me, you Satan. Now, was the apostle Peter a devil? No, but Satan was trying to get through the apostle Peter and the apostle Peter was speaking what was of the devil. So Jesus had to rebuke that demonic spirit that was trying to speak through the apostle Peter. Likewise, when you discern that the enemy is walking through somebody, please listen to this carefully. You can get up in the name of Jesus and tell the enemy trying to walk through that person to get out of that person. Okay? Or to leave you alone rather than you having pity for the person. All right? I do this all the time. When I see that the enemy is walking through somebody to get at me. I go straight at the enemy directly by passing the person. I have no pity for the enemy because he doesn't like me. I better move on. Verse 17. You may say to yourself, these nations are stronger than we are. How can we drive them out? Verse 18. But do not be afraid of them. Remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh. So Moses just went on to tell them, do not be afraid of these powerful nations. Remember the miracles that the Lord did to the army of Pharaoh. That was the strongest army at that time. God will do likewise. Just like today, the Lord is telling us we should not be afraid of our problems. He has already delivered us. We should just stand in faith and trust him. Okay, so at the end of verse um, 19 there, we see Moses using another descriptor to describe God's um, power. Outstretched arm that is describing God's omnipotence. Potence. Okay. The rest of those uh, verses are just, again, Moses is just highlighting God's power. Come to verse 20. Moreover, the Lord your God will send. Oh, this is interesting. <laughs> Let me reread re re that. Moreover, the Lord your God will send the hornet among them until even the survive survivors who hide from you have perished. Again, highlighting how God will go before them. God will place fear on their hearts. They would perish. Do not be terrified by them. Verse 22. God is among you. Moses is highlighting. The Lord your God will drive out those nations before you little by little. You will not be allowed to eliminate them all at once or the wild animals will multiply around you. This is a powerful concept. Moses is telling them how God would deliver them from their enemies. At times, even though God's best is instantaneous and God is all-powerful, God can deliver us from our problems instantly. But there are times in our lives, in fact, most times, the Lord would deliver us step by step. This is not to say that God is not able to deliver us instantly. But as God delivers us step by step, as we overcome one battle, then the next, our faith is then strengthened and quickened so that when we look back, we can easily discern the presence and work of God in our lives. And a lot of times, this is really because that is how we receive from the Lord. We receive from the Lord because our faith is not there to, to just receive it 
instantly, instantaneously, we have to grow in faith. And then as we are being delivered, we are strengthened. And there are certain battles, depending on where we are with the Lord, that God will deliver us instantly, okay? Because our faith is strengthened enough to receive that miracle or to receive that blessings. That blessing, rather. But there are other things that is a step-by-step journey because we are not strong enough to grab it. And God, in his love, is not going to bless us prematurely. All right? Like in my own life, fighting cancer, I, I even though the Bible taught me and still teaches me that Jesus is my healer, when I got the revelation that I was healed, by Jesus, I believed in my heart that I was healed. But it would take many, many years for me to see the physical re- result. I mean, was that God's best? No. But my faith wasn't strengthened enough to, to stand up and, and, and see that physical manifestation instantly. I needed to truly get a good revelation of Jesus Christ as my healer. And the Lord delivered me one fear at a time uh, of cancer, one symptom at a time, because that's how I could believe step by step. But today, there are many other things that I have suffered physically that the Lord had, I have seen the deliverance within a day or two, because I am much stronger today in receiving healing from the Lord because of that experience I had with cancer. I hope that example really helps. So if you are struggling with with any issue today and you are not seeing immediate deliverance, take heart. Take heart. God is delivering you slowly but surely and your faith is being quickened. It's a faith journey. Do not give up because God is in control. So that is a principle we have learned Here, coming to verse 23, but the Lord your God will deliver them over to you, throwing them into great confusion. Moses just went on to explain how God would deliver them. One way that God would deliver them, rather, God will cause them to be confused. (laughs) There are many ways that God can deliver us from our enemies. We see some of the ways here. God would cause them to be confused. God would cause them to be afraid of us. Those are all ways that the Lord helps us to overcome our enemies. Verse 24, uh, he will give their kings into your hand. Moses just went on to explain how the Lord would deliver their enemies into their hands. Verse 25, the images of their gods you are to burn in the fire. Again, uh, highlighting how they have to destroy Dear idol gods, do not convert the silver and gold on them and do not take it for yourself or you will be ensnared by it for it is detestable to the Lord. Powerful. Moses is warning them. When you get there, when you overcome them by the power of the Lord, do not keep their silver and gold. Do not convert. Do not have a desire for those things because those those things have been a part of their Demonic worship, if you take those things to your home, God would be very angry. The same principle applies to us today. Okay, we should not bring into our homes things that or articles that people have used as part of their occult worship to their gods. As an example, today there are people who claim to be Christians, but they go to see psychics. Mm-hmm. They go to psychics to seek about your future, which is grossly prohibited by God. If you live with somebody like that, even a family member who claims to be a Christian, and then they go to seek counsel from a psychic, and the psychic gives them these ornaments or articles to to bring to your home, if you allow that into your home, if you are aware of that and you allow that into your home, Guess what? You just brought the devil into your home and you just opened the door for occult behaviors to take place in your home and that does not please God. Boy, we have to be really careful the people we live with so they don't bring their occult practices into our house essentially 
allowing the enemy to come to our house. That is what this is saying. If you did that, God would not be pleased and you would open the door for the enemy. Okay. And that was what Moses highlighted here in verse 26. Do not bring a detestable thing into your house or, or you like it will be set apart for destruction. Exactly what I was just saying. Satan would devour you if you did that. Regard it as vile and utterly detest it for it is set apart for destruction. Exactly what I just explained. So that brings us to the end of chapter 7. Powerful instructions there. So what are the major principles we have learned from chapters 6 and 7? Principle number 1, loving God. And this is an agape kind of love. God's kind of love because God is love in his essence. God loves each of us unconditionally. He loved us before we even loved him. He has expressed his love for us on the cross. So the least we could do is to love God back through our actions. Loving God back unconditionally whether or not he blesses us with our desires. Second principle, we should have an attitude of intolerance towards sin. Third principle, parents are responsible for teaching their children the word of God. I talked about that in preceding chapters. I want to highlight that here as well. If you remember, Moses was telling the second generation Israelites when they get into the promised land, it is their responsibility to teach your children and children about the decrees of God and why should in case the children ask. That is still applicable today for parents are the ones that God holds solely responsible to teach the children his ways and his decrees. And also we learned the principle of the word of God. Remember I talked about the Shema, the Jewish creed or the creed of Israel. The word of God is central or, or, or the word of God is, is the center of their teachings. And we talked about the monotheism, how they worship one God. And we also as Christians, we worship one God in three distinct persons. So what are the major applications here? I have already discussed this. Loving God, how can we show people that we love God is through obedience, keeping his decrees written all over the Bible, and serving God. Those are the major ways we can tell others, the world, and God himself that we truly love him is when we obey him. And Jesus himself teaches us in the New Testament, why do you call me Lord, 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 and do not obey what I say? You see, so the cardinal way a Christian can show the world that they love God is obeying his decrees. That is not difficult to do. And the, the next major application here is to avoid a temptation and to demolish Satan totally, not to have any pity on him. And again, Jesus teaches us out of the gospel, Mark 5, verse 29, that if your right eye causes you to sin, Cut it out. I said earlier, this is not a literal gouging out of your eye. It's like a hyperbole, exaggeration, how you should have no tolerance for sin. Again, we learned that in these verses. And also the last application here is that we have to, as leaders and as parents, really go an extra mile, take the extra effort to teach our children the ways of God. And there are three major ways we could do that. Number one, you teach them that the word of God is life. The word of God is the only source of life and is the only wisdom there is. And is the only guide that we have to live in this dark world. And we must teach our children that obeying God brings lasting, eternal consequences. And our lives would be blessed and healthier when our children obey the Lord. And we would tell them that obeying the Lord would prevent a host of pain and suffering 
that would ensue if they disobey God. And, and most importantly, as parents, we have to live a godly lifestyle in front of our children because talk is cheap. Anyone can talk. But when we practice it, when we put it to practice, then children are really, really going to take it seriously. So practicing a godly lifestyle in front of your children is more important than just saying it. Okay, and also make the word of God a part of your life every day in every decision and pray, fellowship and study with your children. So those are some of the ways that we can teach young children how to love God, how to obey God. And that way it would be easier for them to practice his decrees. I hope you receive that in Jesus name. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for such powerful lessons we have learned from these few chapters here in the book of Deuteronomy. Lord, we want to obey you because we love you. Teach us through your Holy Spirit how to walk daily in accordance with your degrees. Teach us how to be people who not only talk about loving you, rather let us be people who display your love through our actions as we obey you. Help us with this endeavor, Father God. We know you are such a good God. You want the best for us and we desire the best. But we cannot do this without your Holy Spirit. So today, by faith, we are believing that this prayer is answered. We have prayed in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And everybody says, Amen. As you have been blessed, can you bless us back with a financial donation so we can produce more teachings? and bless others in return? This program is solely sponsored by the financial donations from friends and listeners like you. We need your financial support in order to reach more people with Dr. Ruth's simple but profound life-changing messages. To make a one-time donation, visit our website, drruthtanyi.org. That's D-R-R-U-T-H T-A-N-Y-I dot O-R-G. Look for the donation button and donate right there. It is a very secure, simple, and easy process. Or, for more of an impact, would you prayerfully consider becoming a Christ-centered monthly partner with us? While on our website, you will find all of the information about becoming a Christ-centered partner. As a monthly partner, your regular prayers and financial support will enable us to produce more Bible teachings in order to reach more people and transform their lives with God's Word. For those of you who prefer regular mail, you can send your donation to us. Here's the address. Dr. Ruth Tanyi Ministries, P.O. Box 1806, Loma Linda, California, 92354. You can also email us with your questions about becoming a partner. Here's the email address, info at drruthtanyi.org. That's I-N-F-O at D-R-R-U-T-H-T-A-N-Y-I dot O-R-G. Or you can always call us at 909-383-7978. Dr. Ruth Tanyi Ministries is a federal government-approved 501c corporation, which means that all your donations are 100% tax-deductible as allowed by the law. We thank you in advance for your kind donation and prayers. We pray for God's love and presence to anchor your soul today in Christ Jesus. I am Chris Oram. Stay blessed, and goodbye for now.